0: estranged uh, the 51st or second episode we've got quite wow. far. So we've come this far um i'm here today with barry taylor good friend hello of mine.
1: helen <laughs> hello
0: um who is in london currently uh, Yes. I and am. barry has a very storied history uh which we might hear about a bit today everybody loves to hear about do you know what did you ever watch Gav- gavin and stacy
1: yes
0: you know, uh, Ness, Nessa, the yeah. character, she always has these just ridiculous anecdotes from her past, and it's like, you know, Desmond Tutu, oh, yes, when Desmond and I, you know, had a <laughs> right, affair <exactly>. or whatever. <laughs> so Barry's like, she's been talking about something, we're like, yes, of course, when I, you know, uh, was uh, the sound engineer for Blah, oh, yes, of course, when right, I right. met, you know, Keith Richards, <laughs> like, okay, right. <laughs> there's always, there's always something. And also you've done, like, so many different things. Um, yeah, I think literally.
1: that's really that's really all it is. It's nothing, yeah. you know, it's not that big of a deal. You just uh, put yourself around a little bit. You, you wind up meeting people. Meeting
0: people. <laughs> because it's been, I mean, so from my understanding, you um, were... From your, un- from your understanding. From my understanding. I've tried to rationalize this, okay? i tried to have some grasp on what Barry's life actually is, this mystery. So you, you were born in... Um, near Cambridge in England right
1: yeah yeah
0: and then um you know in your kind of late teens early 20s you got involved in the music industry is that right
1: I that's absolutely right yes I've been paying attention yeah well done (laughs) oh so long ago
0: (laughs) so and then and then you moved out to the states because you were working with is
1: the Bay City Rollers? Is that right? No, 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 no. No, no that was uh, well. that that was no, that was I, I I did work with the Bay City Rollers, but okay. that was in Britain. That, that was, was in Britain. Britain. No, I, okay, right. I, I, I went I I went to America essentially with uh ACDC. Right. Yeah. That's how I that's how I first went to America. Okay. Yeah. And then I went and then I wound up moving to America mm-hmm. through a whole set of weird circumstances Mm -hmm. that are probably too long-winded to go into here, but suffice suffice to say I had some English friends there and there was a plan that never realised and and instead I wound up staying in uh, California for a couple of decades longer than I ever imagined.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you were just saying, because both of us are in the UK right now, and I am getting the vibe, maybe it's just because I'm not there right now, but that um, maybe the world that you were living in there, and I was experienced very briefly, is disappearing, you know, that there's something new taking its place.
1: Well, I mean, I I, I think cities, especially cities like Los Angeles, Mm They do they do undergo significant changes in it, I, I mean on one level it's always the same it's yeah. predictably California and it conforms to all stereotypes mm-hmm. and then it but when you live there you experience um, a whole different reality of the city yeah. you, you kind of um, and it it kind of moves in different directions and you wind up thinking or experiencing the city in 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 different ways and I I I don't know if it's just that my relationship with Los Angeles changed Mm -hmm. but I I think that's part of it but I also think that um, Los Angeles and and kind of California in general has gone through and is going through shifts in its kind of in the psychogeography of the city if you, yeah. you know if you want yeah. if you want to yeah. go very situationist
0: yeah <laughs> no i think or that's, whatever, i think know. it's a great a great reading of it i think that's true i think that's true i think i think yeah i go think ahead. that the um there's there's sort of a sanitization um, i i'm interested uh, uh so we've had this guest on a few times have become quite friendly benjamin Studebecker. his works on um legitimization mechanisms of like Mm. whatever material economy you know whatever the structural societal structure is at a given time and so but often like yeah that the legitimization mechanism is like an emergent of something else or that can have an effect on you know the psyche of the individuals and i think that like the ideological justifications for the new world order are quite interesting and i think that they started to emerge post Well, post 2008, then post, you know, the failure, quote unquote, of Occupy. Um, And as the riot tech has, you know, been in the ascendancy. And I think it's affecting the way that, you know, in, in these major cities, people lead their lives. And the way that people see themselves in their positions of authority under this new world order, and I think it is yeah. changing at LA, and certain things like that were maybe cool or had added a flavour to life, are being yeah. sort of cast out as unacceptable now. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, I think also, I mean, I I never underestimate the the impact of digitality, yeah. on on our experience of life anyway, yeah. and I, and I think that that digitality has had such a profound effect on the way we experience our lives and then live them out that yeah. there's there's no way that uh things can sort of stay the same and mm-hmm. everything kind of gets caught up and a little bit commodified yeah and and, and homogenized yeah it, it's very difficult for things to maintain a, a kind of independent flavor i think exactly they, yeah. they, the, the edges get the edges get gnawed at and then yeah. people start to take chunks out of um, the middle and i think you know in a place like los angeles that's so dependent upon um on many levels on kind of communication mm-hmm. technologies and you know the artifacts of um popular culture and -hmm. and things like that that there's really no way it wouldn't it wouldn't shift and it's become uh, I mean it's definitely become probably I mean I lived most of my time in um, Los Angeles on on the west side Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and, uh, quite a lot in 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 Santa Monica which you know used to be jokingly called the People's Republic of Santa Monica Mm -hmm. because it was kind of a bit not a bit working classy but yeah. but all, you know they had rent control yeah. and it was a bit funkier because you know beach cities tend to be funky and even in Los Angeles the, you know the beach yeah. cities have a have a kind of looseness to them but increasingly over the years as you know um people moved towards the beach and house prices went up and it became more um gentrified and you know and and on one level that's fantastic i I, you know i'm not necessarily against all of those things just for the sake of it but but they do kind of um they don't level the playing field they actually break up the playing field and 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 you know people get pushed out to to the margins and people who were marginal can't be there anymore you know it's like that story you know it's like when you read those stories about um cities like london or or new york and los angeles you know in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s when when you know you could go and live there for sort of next to nothing mm-hmm. and arts was thriving yeah. and you know uh, there was opportunity now you know it costs so much money to live in yeah. los angeles it's very difficult everybody's on a hustle to make money
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: just to sort of survive which yeah. impinges on The creative life but LA also presents itself as this bastion of you know independent creativity yeah yeah. it's just cultural
0: because it's it's like the dialectic of the whole thing and like as you said like I'm not like an absolutist about gentrification I think the whole like ethos of what we think of the when we say the word gentrification is a symbol of the fact that that term becomes commodified like so fast like everything like new ideas get capitalised upon and turned into sort of a hollowed yeah. out version where like debate or critique or nuanced thinking is completely removed. Yeah. But like, that's something I really feel concerned about at the moment in terms of the young, you know, where where alternative voices are coming from and where yeah. creativity can be borne out, you know, as in yeah, both geographically well, I mean, and just ethically, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, I, I think there's a whole conversation to be had about the whole notion of creativity mm-hmm. because you know, it's one of those words today yeah. that I think is is bandied around yeah. uh to the point of almost madness. Mm-hmm. And it's a way in which actually the the a kind of form of capitalism is continually justified. You know, I mean, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. you you have a, a lot of oh, you know, look how free you are to yes. uh, make your own creative life now. You can yeah. do what you like. Um, what's not talked about in that is you know the whole kind of world of zero our contracts yeah, yeah. and you know nobody being able to uh, earn a living wage from a regular job you know with without any you know with no guarantees and all that kind of stuff yeah. and and in its yeah. place it's like oh how aren't you lucky to be in a time where you can be so creative exactly. and um as a you know and then what does that mean anyway you know what does exactly. it mean to to be uh creative exactly. i mean it's a, it's a it's a nice idea but just cuz you've got some apps yeah. and you can can make cool cool things on your phone yeah. that's not necessarily um I, I remember once I was walking a few a number of years ago I was walking through um london I was back on a trip here and I went into I think it was like rough trade Records somewhere yeah. i can't exactly remember where but you know they always have like flyers and and uh stickers on in in the window you know you can pick up for gigs and stuff like yeah. that and and there was a, a a little postcard for uh, and it had this kid with a, um, a record player under his arm mm-hmm. and it, w- it was about a DJ night in a pub in London and it was and, and the the night was called anyone can be a fucking DJ
0: yeah yeah yeah. And
1: the I know, and no, of no, course no. the the ironic statement was actually yeah. not everyone can be a DJ you know yeah. just because you got records it doesn't actually make you a disc jockey you, you yeah. know what i mean yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and i and i think you could sort of extrapolate that out and go yeah i think there's another whole dynamic here that yeah. um comes into play but i don't know and let me just say by the way going back to los angeles really yeah. quickly even though i think uh los angeles Uh, is undergoing uh, whatever changes it's going through, and maybe they are, maybe it isn't. It still remains for me one of the most fascinating places uh, to be in the world. And I have absolutely no regrets about um, living there as long as I did. And I'd still say if you were going to live anywhere in America – I'd say go to LA before you go anywhere else. I really would.
0: Absolutely. I, I'm absolutely in love with LA. I have to say, I've lived in like loads of different places, loads of different countries, and there's something about it that's super special. And yeah, uh, yeah. I know. And it's um, more
1: than the sunshine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's more than the sunshine. It really, it really, like, I mean, I maybe i came from quite a stuffy background but not really but yeah. you know also i lived in like loads of different places so it's not like i just sure. experienced that but like it definitely is it's, it's so unique even you know there's so many different factors like the age the age of the people who live there you know yeah. what they're there for obviously you know there's a there's a dual dimension about it because obviously there's part of it's very sad and it's very ruthless yeah. and very expensive very cutthroat and you know Almost like, it's something like the, the median wage in LA is like $28,000, and obviously yeah, it's very low. At the, the property prices, it's like utterly yeah. insane. Oh no, and it's, it's a
1: mad place to live yeah. on that front.
0: And yeah, I think it just, it relies on people coming, you know, not earning anything, trying their hand, and then getting spat out and leaving. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's really fascinating place. But, but that's a yeah. terrorist, terribly, you know, it's horrible in, in many ways when you think about it like that, but. It's very but interesting.
1: It's also, you know, but it's also, but um, uh, it, it's also, it's the the history of Los Angeles as as a kind of modern city is yes. just so fascinating to me. And you know, I, I've said to people who who ask me here because you know, the the thing, the the one thing that uh, a lot of people here in London that I've talked to they're very dismissive of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You know, they they, they kind of immediately have it pegged and they go, oh, I prefer Florida or New York or whatever. And I'm like, well, or, you know, or you'll meet somebody that go, yeah, well, I'm going to move to L.A. for a year and see how it goes. And I'm like, well, you're going to waste your time because L.A. is not a city that you can get your head around in a year. You need like five years to sort of get a feel for what's going on. And um, and I, I, you know, you can make fun of the sort of mad stereotypes Mm -hmm. that you encounter in Los Angeles but you can also see it as this incredible gift um, because there's a a real level of um, acceptance and enthusiasm Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for somebody who wants to make a life in a particular direction Mm -hmm. that elsewhere people just Roll their eyes and go well that's ridiculous, yeah. and it might be ridiculous, but in Los yeah. Angeles, they just sort of go, yeah, that's really cool,
0: yeah, you know exactly. go
1: go with it and see what happens, and if it doesn't yeah. work out that's you too tried. bad, but yeah. at least you tried and yeah I do like that, and it 's more than just an entrepreneurial yeah spirit, absolutely it 's yeah, not exactly. about the 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 kind of business risk it 's about no. more about the um I don't know if it's vocational or, yeah. or whatever, but I've met so many interesting people doing so many interesting things, remarkable things. Remarkable, and that's not to yeah. say they wouldn't happen in other places, but mm-hmm. there there's a unique blend of everything. Mm-hmm. And it's all there. You know, people go, Oh, there's no art in Los Angeles. I'm yes, like, there what is. What are you talking yes, about? You know, or yeah. there's no architecture. Yeah, yeah there is. You know, there's no fashion. Yes, yeah. there is. You know, you just have to look underneath, yeah. which is and yeah, it's, it's a difficult city to get around because, you know, you need a car, it's, yeah. traffic's terrible, all of those things. But in that, it's, I don't know, you've heard, um, read that book um, by Eric Davis, uh, The Visionary State. No, it's
0: sounds
1: a, interesting. Eric, Dav- Eric, Eric Davis is this, uh, I don't know if you know who he is, he's a kind of, uh, he writes about alternative or, or yeah, alternative cultural stuff. Yeah. He he used to write, I think, for a Spin magazine or wow. a Rolling Stone, something like that. And he got sent to one of the early Burning Man mm-hmm. uh, things, and he got totally into alternative culture and uh, Terence McKenna and mm-hmm. psychedelics. And he writes about, but he writes about lots of things. Very, very interesting mm-hmm. guy. In fact, he um, he did a dissertation and he wrote a book uh, out of his dissertation called high weirdness, mm-hmm. which is about, um, uh, Robert Anton Wilson and Terence McKenna and Philip K Dick and their mm-hmm. influence on what he calls, uh, consciousness culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he wrote this book about, um, the visionary state, which is about California's, um, relationship to kind of, um, spirituality, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and particularly um, around Los Angeles and and how Los Angeles as as a city was built, like literally built, you know, by architects and uh, visionaries um, who were into things as varied as esoteric, you know, theosophy, Mm -hmm. technology, and all these kind of things. And and, and it's a fascinating read about how... um, the architecture of Los Angeles is the reason why Los Angeles is the way it, it is, is as yeah. a city. What thrives there and what doesn't, and why you've got all these weird, technically weird things that go on. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you, you think know. about it, you know, even Pentecostal Christianity, that started in Los Angeles. No <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah, it started in a revival in Azusa Street in the Seriously? early 1900s. Yeah. I mean, mean, maybe there are other places where it was happening, but that's where the Azusa Street Revival, which is essentially the explosion of Pentecostal Christianity, happened in Los Angeles.
0: It's interesting because L.A. is so weirdly diverse. Obviously, you know, again, this hollowed out vision of what it is, just like airheads and hanging out at the yeah. beach or whatever but the other thing is that i have absolutely no problem with our heads and i consider myself one so you know but also exactly. you know the focus on aesthetics and stuff there's nothing wrong with the visuals. there's yeah. nothing wrong with the aesthetic and often i think a lot of people who poo poo things like that you know actually they're doing the same thing but in a different dimension where it's potentially more dangerous and i absolutely yeah, yeah. love this i love the sincerity i love the sincerity i love the enthusiasm but like so it's such a diversity because it's it's so spread out and you go to, you know, downtown LA compared to, yeah. you know, Malibu. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. This is the same, well, I mean, technically the same, not technically the same city, the same area. But yeah, there was a, I saw a Theosophy Hall, like just south of downtown LA. And I was like, what the oh, fuck? Are, and then there's like, no, no. yeah.
1: Oh, there's, you know, I mean, you could spend weeks just driving around Los mm-hmm. Angeles exploring all, which I've done actually, all yeah. the kind of... Uh, alternative religious spaces you know yeah. the, the the strange little cults the yeah. the the Sikhs the you know uh-huh. the Hare uh-huh. Krishnas uh-huh. um you know i i don't know there's they are all there you know yeah. um
0: it's the, interesting the
1: the, the, the Buddhists yeah. you know the you know the i don't know the tantric you know the whole <laughs> it's all there you <laughs> I mean, it, was it,
0: telling it, me about one I think it was like in Venice somewhere that there were like these people on this like some kind of um Yeah, yeah, yeah. Course. The one founder. The oh, one foundation. The
1: yeah, the masturbation
0: the tapp yeah. tap it tapping
1: tapping into female um energy. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's Hilarious. right next door to it's right next door to um Deus. You know the the coffee shop that that I used to go to. Yeah, there's a place called the One Foundation, which is kind of devoted to uh, (laughs) the the energy that's released from masturbation. I mean, it's you know, and of course, it's so easy to write all of that off and just. But but uh, and you know, I don't embrace. I don't take everything Mm -hmm. on, but I'm interested enough. To want to go well, what's what's lurking here? It's what's like, being addressed? Why yeah. is this going on? And also, um, I remember years ago, um, I, I was asked by this one publishing company if I was interested in writing a book, and mm-hmm. um, and I kind of uh, I had this idea, and when I presented the idea, one of the one of the um, sections the uh, i called it the, the, the californication and
0: mm-hmm. this is
1: before before the chili peppers but yeah. i called it the the californication of um, <laughs> the religious the religious impulse uh-huh. and um, cuz my argument was that um, some of the one of the things that gets exported yeah. from california is actually contemporary religiosity
0: yeah, There's a yeah. lot.
1: I mean, yeah. again, you know, contemporary uh, evangelical Christianity, like the whole Jesus movement thing. Mm-hmm. Another California. It wasn't the only place, but it was one of the main centers in the early 1970s of, yeah. of what what became Evangelism. modern contemporary evangelicalism, yeah. you know, and uh and again it happened for a whole bunch of reasons, not the least of which was all the hippies yeah. dropping acid and finding Jesus.
0: This is the thing <laughs> in that their is own so, way. in their own way it's so funny is that like and I I'm really interested in where things come from and like complicating provenance of things. Me too. Um because yeah, obviously we associate that now with like the Bible belt and reactionary conservatives. And obviously I think the term, what what the word conservative means is like hilariously complicated as well, because who are the the conservatives, question mark, you know, who are conserving, like, you know, like who's benefiting from whatever ideology, who's, who developed it, what did it become? And it's interesting, like a school that I used to teach at, I think is a really interesting example. It's in the press at the moment because it's a really long standing complicated battle. But the new headmaster um, sort of adopted.
1: Um, yes, I thought of you yes. when I read that in the paper.
0: And anyway, well, this brilliant colleague, Will, Will who's been teaching there for nine years, is like very, very, you know, he's like an Olympic level power lifter, like a very quiet, very softly spoken, but a very, you know, tough guy. And he's taken a stand because basically of the position of the teachers are having to bear this new ideological thing. But actually, it's not about the woke thing it's about some it's about you know various principles and leadership and everything like that it's been going on for for years essentially but it's hilarious to me and it's not ironic that this whole thing is about eaten and woke and i don't think that they're though they're so strange to one another establishment elitism and woke ideology i actually think woke ideology is like um the ideology of the upper middle classes it's i think it's it's a bourgeois it's 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 um, like an upper middle classified version of what was well-intentioned social justice politics for yeah. the benefit of people at one time, but it has morphed into this kind of like, you know, we talk about the term cultural appropriation, it's been appropriated by sure. those who want to be a beyond reproach in an increasingly unequal society. Um, but the point being that is, I actually think that when we associate one thing with one group or one perspective as representing one thing or one ideology is representing, you know, it comes with all these other cultural signifiers. I actually think it's like immensely complicated.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's the, the challenge is we always want the simplification. Yeah. We always want to reduce things down to a manageable because we have to fit it into our grid. Yeah into our scheme you know if if that's how we still choose to to live but I've always um I've kind of always wanted not always wanted I've always been interested in what doesn't fit yeah and and what doesn't belong Mm -hmm. and or defies categorization
0: yeah you know
1: and and I and I've sort of and I used to try and work that out while trying to hold on to a particular view of reality mm-hmm. in some kind of grand scheme way. You know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. is what I think. This is what I think the world is like. And yeah. this doesn't. This doesn't fit. So how do I adjust it to make that to make that work? Yeah. And I sort of g- gave that up a while ago because I, I I think one of the and and maybe this this comes back to like maybe this is also I think part of um the whole shift that's occurring not just in Los Angeles but in the world along with digitality is Mm -hmm. that this this idea that there's some particular you know way of Mm -hmm. making all of the world fit into a particular thing I just think that has to go
0: yeah, because I don't think
1: I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm just not a big worldview person, no, you know what no, I mean, and no. I, and, and I'm always like, I, I find my, it's like I, I was, um, you know, uh, David Bowie said yeah. um, in, in an interview, he said, you know, um, on Tuesday. I was a Buddhist on Friday. I was reading Nietzsche and uh, my life's kind of always been like that. You know, I sort of, and it wasn't, he wasn't talking about, you know, just picking up one thing, then dropping it and moving on. He was just Mm -hmm. talking about adding it up and he's, and he, and he sort of ended by saying, I just think that uh, everything uh, in reality uh, or what's real in reality is that everything is transient and everything yeah. is changing, and there's always more information to think about. And mm-hmm. um, if you try and put it into some final form, you're always going to have uh, problems with problems with that. And and I think when we reduce things down to oh well, it's you know so evangelicalism is this or conservatism mm-hmm. is that or mm-hmm. liberalism is. This, you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, because I mean we are on a kind of neoliberal screed at the moment, yeah. women culture as uh, culture as well, and I understand, you know what yeah, I mean. I, I get yeah. the the, but you know some of those neoliberal, those some of those ideas that are exclusively apparently neoliberal ideas that are messing up the world they've been around for a bit longer than absolutely i
0: think it's interesting because like the word yeah even what the word when we say neoliberal and i just think i think it's particularly evident with the question left and right now because actually i think what we say is left actually really is looking a lot like the right traditionally you
1: know well (laughs) I mean I think you know that's why when when I you know again we're on the outside of um, the U.S. at the moment but all this talk of you know communists and socialists in America you know uh, and even over here you know they I, I mean what they do now and I mean when Tony Blair instituted new labor I, know, I mean, I know, di- did he, know. did he cross the divide and no. go on to the right or, well, you know, I mean, you know, where, and, and what is the left anymore anyway, know, you know? know, so everything is kind of, it's sort of left and right of exactly. a centrist view yeah. of things. And, um, but it gets so, um, characterized yeah. and I'm like, you know, that I, I mean, and when they go, oh, yeah, this this person, you know, Biden is just going to turn it into a communist state, you know. Or, or you know, so Jeremy Corbyn's going to turn... Yeah, or Jeremy's, Jeremy Corbyn over here is going to make it a Stalinist country, yeah. you know. It's like, oh, for God's sake, you know. But
0: it's funny because um, this is... Uh, the one thing that I kind of like about the term neoliberalism is the term neo, because I think what that does show is that, like, it's the same thing again. This is... But then, I mean... It's a new version, but also new speaks, says that it's something that's never come yeah. before. But like, yeah. it is, there is this thing of like, the reason why I think people are sort of so pissy about it is because it's sort of like, oh, right. Yeah, so it is, you know, like, hang on a second. Yeah. No, it is, it's, it's this terrible thing. But the one thing I just wanted to say about like, what's going down at Eton at the moment that I think is quite funny is, it's, it's hilarious how the press and everything is like responding to it. I saw in the Spectator LOL, a uh, letter today defending the headmaster of Eton, who is against, who's taken the position in this against free speech. And the point is that this video is supposed to be offensive to women and that the female staff would have find it, found it found offensive, which is hilarious because the women who work at that school are very tough and can deal with it very well. Thank you very much. And then the guy who put the video up doesn't even really believe in what that video is saying it's called the patriarchy paradox, and it's looking and sure. it's essentially like a Jordan Peterson-esque question, you know, a yeah. perspective. But it was for a course that was called Perspectives, that's supposed to be for sort of 16, 17-year-olds to be presented with a point of view that they rarely hear, and then they're supposed yeah. to debate. So, supposed to be like the whole point, and so, and it's nothing to do with the actual thing. And then you have, yeah, you have people in the Times defending. Uh, coming out against free speech and then you have people you know from a different perspective defending and then you have you know the great and the good defending the worker rather than the the boss i think Mm -hmm. i think it's like really fantastic because it's just so complicated and really it all boils down to employment dynamics that's the fact that there's people working at the school for not a very high wage which some people might find surprising you know, often ninety yeah. hours a week, and then yeah, being course. responsible to institute a an ideology that basically appears to be a really nice, but actually is just there to mean that Eton can't be beyond can't be criticised, which I think is extremely important. Like I don't even yeah. know where I stand on that institution either way, but I think what is important is that there is a free, it's free to be criticised. Um, and Ethan's yeah. usually very good at it. I remember when I was there, there was like a communist protest and everyone was like, yeah, great. Yeah. Come and protest us. That's great. But, um, yeah. So I just love the fact that it's so freaking complicated and it's yeah. very unusual that that ha- is happening right now.
1: I've been reading this, um, really interesting book, um, called censorship now.
0: Yeah. It's yeah.
1: A, it, you know, do you know, do you know that guy, Ian savonius
0: I've heard of him, but I haven't read it in any he, He's really.
1: a, yeah, he's a very interesting guy. He's a, yeah. a punk musician, basically, yeah. that writes these kind of they're sort of satirical ironic essays. Yeah. I mean he he has um he has a book called Supernatural Strategies for Um Starting a Rock and Roll Group. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's really about um it's about the music industry but but it's based on like um uh, cooking shows and uh, seances and it's got yeah. all this madness. but but there's also substance in there as well yeah. you know that's very very alternative and, and his book on, on, on censorship sort of opens with um he, he says we need censorship we need censorship to stop the radio from you know spewing its vomit and from yeah. this person and you know and, and and sort of argues actually quite seriously in uh-huh. a in a kind of almost comic way. Yeah. That actually what we what we need is some uh, we need some censorship. It's not that we don't, you know, it's, it's, not, interesting. it's more censorship not less, less, you know what I mean? But yeah. but his point is really to say look, the the world that we've made mm-hmm. needs some serious uh, some attention. <laughs>
0: I know, definitely like limitations and and I often think like a lot of the stuff that's coming out is a desperate attempt to instantiate some non-traumatizing boundaries because this sort of free floating anything goes it's just like too cyclic too psychically invasive and 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 traumatizing but it's interesting i was talking to tom McGowan. he was saying that he thinks that so much so much of the, the great soviet cinema was precisely because of censorship you know because <laughs> yeah, yeah, really yeah. creative things had to, had to should we talk a little bit about um we always do this we just like go off on because we we press record like well we did press record after starting a conversation like over an hour ago about veganism so um we should probably move on to the documentary which yeah,
1: is let's talk about that
0: the filth and the Fu- is it the Fu- filth and the fury i always get the names wrong of these films. yeah yeah the, the filth
1: and the fury
0: um so a 2000 film by julian what's his name julian
1: temple julian
0: temple who's
1: it? yeah who's a actually he has a movie a film coming out i think Either this week or next week about Shane McGowan of the Pogues,
0: seriously,
1: called Croc of, Croc of Gold, which looks to be kind of really interesting, actually.
0: Yeah, really interesting. So he's
1: he's kind of a he's a actually a, a, a pretty well known documentary filmmaker, um, and uh, he's actually made he made two documentaries, Filth and the Fury is about the Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. He made another one in 1980 called. Um, the great rock and roll swindle. Oh
0: right, that, and, was, is and, that...
1: That, and that's another Sex Pistols documentary. Yeah. And yeah. he got criticism in that one because they felt that it was too focused on the influence of um, Malcolm McLaren, who was uh-huh. the manager of the Sex Pistols, and in the minds of many people, um, the architect of punk, along with uh, Vivian Westwood. Mm-hmm. So. Filth and the Fury came out 20 years later and it was really an attempt to kind of I don't know if it's to write that ship is necessarily true but it was to get it was more focused on the band themselves yeah. and gave them a chance to give their side of the story mm-hmm. and uh and it's definitely more of a mythologizing tale of um the Sex Pistols. But um, I I think it's a fascinating documentary, whether you like punk music or not. Yeah. Um, because it offers up this slice of so many aspects of kind of culture and cultural history and uh, things that I think in many ways sort of still shape the world or at least shape the dream world of a lot of people.
0: Yeah, you know no, what I mean? it's The whole it's notion
1: of... Um, the whole notion of, of whatever punk is and what that might mean today.
0: Because it's... It, we're talking about, like, a, you know, something coming out of a specific time and place. And I... Yeah. It really obviously that the film paints, you know, a moment in British history, a moment yeah. in, within the society in London, and the kind of sure was it the winter of discontent? What year was that? Like seventy? Yeah.
1: yeah, well, between seventy four and I mean, the Sex Pistols sort of exploded in nineteen seventy six.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, it's that that kind of period, which is you know early Thatcher.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean i mean that the film really kind of shows the the state of affairs not just yeah. in music but in culture i mean in in that yeah. regard I th- in that respect i think it's um really insightful and I, and i think it does demonstrate uh, the thing that i think there, there are sort of ways of looking at the film both specifically and generally and i think one of the the interesting things that it underscores is that Styles of music mm-hmm. don't just occur in a vacuum. Yeah, they they all have links to particular worlds and particular experiences. Whether it's mm-hmm. heavy metal music or jazz or the blues or reggae or soul music or punk or you know garage rock, there, mm-hmm. there's a there's a cultural a whole set of cultural. Environments and circumstances, political, economic, social, yeah, that contribute that contribute to to what that what that what that becomes musically, you know, and how that gets it, how that gets expressed, yeah. So you know, I, th- I, I think. Go ahead.
0: Because just talking about like, because the thing I think is quite interesting about punk, and obviously, you know, within the film, like any any band that you know is it becomes well known by default, they they're. they're they get commodified and they get brought into the kind of managerial system or whatever. Yeah. But that what punk seems to be is that, that point that's not included, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's, so the, the film, I mean, I'm not an expert on punk at all, but I do like Vivian Westwood a lot. And obviously Vivian Westwood
1: today. Yeah. Is you love Vivian Westwood. Because
0: I'm a little bit, um, yeah. Uh, I, I but she's, but you film. know, yeah. But the, but the point being is, like, it's interesting seeing this this moment of great despair, and as a lot of the characters in the film say, you know, that they really had no aspirations for their future, and it yeah. really was this sense of there's this establishment that they're never going to be led into. So really, fuck you all. Um, yeah. But also that kind of like, it, even though you know, there's only one album right with the Sex Pistols. Yeah, one like, album. It's not in a way it did resist this commodification obviously there's certain like actual events like Sid Vicious dying and everything like that, but like they, in a way, there's like a sincerity and because it's just inhabiting this place of contradiction, like how, like, can it really be, um, commodified in a way, obviously, yeah, there's, you know, printing records and getting people to actually hear this music, which I think is all great, but like turning it into something that's absent of what the actual ethos is. And there's something to do with the ethos of punk. Because obviously, yeah, then they talk about, you know, there's people wearing expensive leather jackets and these Hooray Henrys who start listening to the music. Sure. But like Essentially, that, that punk spirit is, is more of a position than a thing, maybe. I don't know. Uh,
1: you no, know, I, th- I think it is. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I mean, there are so many ways to sort of uh, think about what punk is, you know what I mean? Because I, I think, firstly, what the film kind of shows is that it was more than just a musical style. Yeah. Although, although it was a very clear, you know, punk is many, many. It, it manifests in many, many different ways, yeah. and, and and I and I think and, and that's why I, I think it still continues to manifest in in different ways. And if you think about it, it's like it's a bit like you know, people talk about postmodernism, for instance, and and they'll immediately go to like you know, leotard, and baudrillard, and yeah. all of those things. But but arguably, the term postmodern was first yeah. used in architecture. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think the same is true with, with punk, in a sense, in that, you know, the, the, the aesthetic of punk uh, came from outside the world of music, you know, yeah. so you could go with McLaren and uh, Vivian Westwood, but also Jamie Reed, who did all of the kind of graphic stuff, you know who was a graphic designer who who gave them a kind of visual look for for their albums and stuff but then you you have that the the way that that gets married with um the music and it creates this whole thing mm-hmm. that then you know that that kind of got commodified but also resisted commodification at the same time. Yeah. It, yeah. It, you know, and 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 of course it's worth remembering that that things were very, very different in the the, the late seventies in terms of even consumer culture. You know, it's the beginning of things like uh fashion as we know it today. Mm-hmm. You know, fast fashion is beginning to happen, but it's not the same as it is now. You know, there wasn't an H&M on every corner. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? There, there, there wasn't the access. I mean, it was very much more about homemade things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, for me, I, I, I've, I always thought, and, and again, I think arguably there's a thread of this in the film. I, I've always said when, I, when I've been asked that, that I think first and foremost, punk was a moral cleansing agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For 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 um, for culture, I, yeah. I think that, and particularly for music culture, I think because uh, the commodification of rock and roll, the, mm-hmm. the the kind of institutionalization of it, you know, and even though you know, um, they, they of course you you set it up. It's like, oh, well, if you're a punk, you can't like this or you can't like that, you know, that mm-hmm. oversimplification, you know, and then yeah. you, then you sort of find out, oh no, no, no they, you know. Steve Jones a guitar player he liked Queen and David Bowie and all those people it wasn't against those things yeah. it was against the kind of the corporate nature of those yeah. things and the stagnancy and the fact that um music as a a political and social uh tool of change had mm-hmm. lost its edge and again yeah. you know in in the the 60s again it's sort of worth remembering in the 60s and the early 70s there was this coalescing around pop music as this instrument of social change Mm -hmm. you know music mattered in a way that it might not today Mm -hmm. for simply because of the the changing world of technology and, and and communication so I think the film goes a long way to addressing and showing how um culture gives rise to things yeah and and, uh, and throws it out into the world, you know, and then the world does its best to, you know, destroy it in a sense because it's a threat. And again, yeah. you know, it's a bit like, you know, you've got to remember, I mean, the the first Sex Pistols tour of England basically didn't happen because the government was... Outraged. You know, it's like when they had, you know, government meetings about the Beatles' haircuts. They had, you know, government meetings about, the, you know, the moral dangers yeah. uh, presented by punks. You, yeah. you, you know what I mean? I mean, those things don't really happen today, but they did back then. It wasn't a joke, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly, because...
0: This is the thing I think that, as you say, like back then it wasn't a joke because I sometimes think that like a lot of people, like even you hear people saying like conservatism is the new punk or like everybody wants to be the new, the new like outsider or even like I think a lot of people who, you know, have the aesthetics of counterculturalism. It really isn't the same thing. And also it's not against the same thing because the government isn't there, as you say, like measuring the length of somebody's, skirts or anything. You know no. we we're, we're, we're dealing with a different set of circumstances and whilst things might look like um societal institutions you know it's the same house of lords it's the same royal family yeah. might look the same i actually think that we have really different um power structures to back there yeah. and we have really different issues so yeah a lot of the things like as you say it wasn't a joke it was like really a serious thing and i think sometimes that some of the things that actually grate us today are trying to do the same thing but they're, they're not because they're not in that same ethical position yeah which,
1: and you yeah. can't and, and you can't replicate it you have no. to find out what it looks like in your own context and in your own world yeah. that's why i think you know um when people are always trying to like work out well when did it start Who was it the ramones was it the sex yeah. pistols you know uh who was it where was it how was it well it was probably all of them in their own ways but for different reasons in different situations mm-hmm. i mean you know there's uh you know the thing the interesting thing about malcolm mclaren who who i think was probably one of the more interesting figures in british cultural life in the last 50 years anyway for a whole number of reasons mm-hmm. you know i mean he before the Sex Pistols he managed the New York Dolls mm-hmm. and he tried to generate there's this amazing book um by the the music writer Griel Marcus called Lipstick Traces mm-hmm. which is about sort of uh it's about many things but there's a lot of the whole kind of political dynamics uh of punk and how McLaren was uh, really influenced by the the Situationist International mm-hmm. and uh, their concept of the politics of boredom and the society of spectacle. Yeah. And you know the last the last gig that Malcolm McLaren uh, managed for the New York Dolls there was a banner behind their them on stage that said the politics of boredom but but it didn't fly in New York at that particular moment in that Mm -hmm. particular way. Mm -hmm. But back in England, uh, where there's this uh, growing uh, resistance, you know, because the the post-war experience in the US and the post-war experience in Britain or in Europe were very, very different. You know what I mean? I mean, America went immediately into economic boom. Mm -hmm. Europe went into basically, you know, rebuilding and digging itself out of a huge mess. So in the the sixties, the counterculture kind of manifested in very different ways and dissipated in, in uh, different ways. I mean, similar ways but different ways, but you know, the class structure in Britain and the lack of um, opportunity for people, both in cities and in the suburbs. Yeah. um, and, 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 and I, you know, I mean, I don't know, the, the class thing plays mm-hmm. such a,
0: I think absolutely uh, such right. a
1: thing, such a thing here. It still yeah. does.
0: It really and does. It, it really does.
1: And uh, and it's hard sometimes to explain.
0: Yeah.
1: Because it's not just about opportunity.
0: No, no.
1: Or access. No. It, it's deep, it's deeper than that. And, exactly. you know, I remember, I, I don't know if you've ever watched like, um, A Hard Day's Night, Uh which I think is another great rock and roll film, you know, it's about the Beatles and stuff, you know, and you see the, you know, the, and and it's parody and satire and comedy, you know, but the uptight English people that can't believe these yobs are sitting in the first, the first class carriage, you know, and they didn't, they didn't fight the war for people like that, you know, and that was a a, a mentality like the, People were affronted by the fact that people were upset and angry and didn't know, didn't want to stay in their place or have a place, you know? And again, uh, I mean, I was, it was funny because, um, I, I, I sort of, I didn't miss punk, Mm -hmm. but I kind of did because I was on the road with ACDC in America. Mm -hmm. And it was really funny as I, I had a group of friends and, uh, we were all, you know, in various ways involved, either in music or with music. We had bands. A lot of us were involved in the music business, playing in bands, uh, working for bands, touring, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But most of my friends, we were sort of um, know, English hippies, kind of. You know what I mean? And I went off on tour. I mean, I was always a, I, I was a big sort of soul and reggae person. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was on tour with... ACDC at the time, who people thought were a weird punk band at the time, but you know, for for different reasons. But but I went I went off on tour, and, and my friends when I left, they were all listening to like the Eagles and Jackson Brown yeah. and Linda Ronstadt and stuff like that. And, and and I came back after like nine months on the road, and they're all punks you know they're yeah. all like they're all into the stranglers and the damned and you know yeah. they're like oh my you know and, and there's like a whole new sound everywhere and yeah. uh, and it wasn't just the embrace of a different form of music yeah it was more than that it was the embrace of um uh uh it, it was a channel for yeah. a, a a kind of frustration at limitation and but it was also you know it was also the 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 transgressive nature mm-hmm. of um a recovery of that as well you know the yeah. the the morality of being transgressive against yeah. the things that uh set limits mm-hmm. and expose the lies of the common ideology
0: yeah.
1: Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, you can make, you you know, again, coming back to that whole, oh, you can be a creative.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, or, you know, I I mean, or let's just, you know, let's just take on like the whole wellness industry. Mm -hmm. I'm not against wellness, Mm -hmm. but the wellness industry, you know, you're meant to be, you know, you should be happy. And here's how you can be happy Mm -hmm. and, you know, go off and do this but we don't address the world in which unhappiness exists you know the that's... world that or the world that generates anxiety exactly. you know we just you know so we we will we'll give you tools to help deal with the anxiety yeah. of a system that says you don't have to be anxious you just have to be you know successful in this system and yeah. i mean that's probably a bad example i think i'm not trying to get at what i'm getting at but, no, I but totally there's a, the yeah, disconnect yeah. between the promise Mm-hmm. And the reality, I mm-hmm. think, is where punk kind exactly. of hit, you know. You, yeah, sold and I a think... bill of, you sold a bill of goods and yeah. and then you you come to this awareness. And again, you see it in the film, you know. Yeah. London was ridiculous. There were strikes yeah. everywhere with Margaret Thatcher, you know. And Ireland was the same, You yeah. know, you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, it was yeah. Britain. It
0: yeah. was
1: this whole awareness that something was horribly wrong. The exactly. world was changing, but sometimes in the wrong ways. And I think punk sort of came along and gave people uh, an avenue and an outlet on a number of levels, you know. And yeah, because
0: was... I think you're absolutely Because right, I think that the danger with these things is when it just becomes a yeah, as you say, like a a moral signifier where it's a new set of like distinguishing values to separate you from something that is now considered like um, in you know it, repulsive or outdated. And I think it's interesting because uh, like. The question of what is going to be, I don't know, a new punk or the new voice, the new voice that kind of screams out in horror at the abject lies of everything that has been, you know, put in front of us. Now I think actually what we think is that actually has more um structurally to do with the likes of wellness. So, you know, assorting the right values. The system is, the system isn't good, so what we have to do is arrange our values in response to that or our own individual moral code in response to that rather than looking at so yeah like art that really questions the whole thing in and of itself um but the thing that i'm worried about Barry, and i don't know if you're worried about is how do you how are you able to question it when Um, the economic system is so that libidinal structure that underlies the entirety of capitalism is so pervasive in every dimension in a way that maybe it wasn't quite so before so when you actually properly um, find it like are in a position of you know in that contradiction pointing out you know what the contradiction of the system is how can you in a world where everything is so commodified, like present that to the world as an alternative.
1: Yeah, it's well. The the, the again the the big difference is um, the lines were a little clearer.
0: Yeah. Back yeah. Then, the, yeah. Back
1: back then, and the opportunities, to some degree, you sort of had to take to the streets mm-hmm. because there was no other outlet. Yeah. You know, you couldn't tweet or. Yeah instagram or start a blog Mm -hmm. you you know what i mean you had to kind of um you had to be there was a different relationship between um the individual and the public the public realm Mm -hmm. you you know what i mean and uh movements could happen in a different in a different way and i don't think they'll ever be like that again
0: yeah yeah Yeah.
1: because (laughs) I, 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 I shouldn't say never because I don't think you should ever say never. But, yeah. but you know what I mean? I mean, on, on a certain level, um, the world is so dramatically different yeah. that um, it's hard to envision a time where something could take on such a. A level uh, and, and, and I don't know maybe it didn't I mean you know it's a bit like the Occupy movement people go oh well, it didn't work I, I, I think I'm going to say that's probably uh, an oversimplification mm-hmm. of um, uh, of the event um, I, I think people expected it to manifest in certain ways mm-hmm. and it's not possible to manifest in
0: mm-hmm. in
1: those kind of ways and I think it probably has become other things but undoubtedly it's very different in in our world to know because everything exists in its own echo chamber yeah yeah you know very yeah. seldom you know i mean if you think about it um part of the i mean the, the title of the film
0: mm-hmm.
1: the filth and the fury came from uh, a headline in the daily mirror that was after the sex pistols appeared on a uh, Uh, early evening chat show with this guy, Bill Grundy, who was, you know, just horrified by them, but also sensationalized them. Got them to swear yeah. in public, you know, and do all that stuff that today we wouldn't even roll our eyes at. But you know, back then was like you know. And so mm-hmm. the next day, the the headline of the Daily Mirror is you know the filth and the fury, which was a rip off from William Faulkner's novel, mm-hmm. you know the theory, sound and yeah. the sound and the fury, which was an, a a rip off from M- from Macbeth, right? you know it's Shakespeare. Back, yeah, yeah. So so you've got you've, you've got all of these. Uh, but my point is. Yeah it was the front page headline of the Daily yeah. Mirror that, yeah. that the Sex Pistols were on. You know, today it's like Love Island votes mm-hmm. off, you know, so-and-so. And yeah. uh, it doesn't have quite the same social scandal.
0: No, absolutely. I think the thing is as well, like with with um, Occupy, I think the thing that I would say, yeah, it's complicated about it, is that often what has happened more contemporaneously is like things that challenge become incorporated into it so almost exactly. we have the we'll occupy wall street you know interestingly you know what it was for and you know what the result was but actually i think one of the results amongst many is the fact that the protest has been incorporated within the um the system so we i was talking about yeah. industry this new show about um uh, interns working for an investment bank and you know within the show that they're, they're having digs at, digs at capitalism all the time and it, it even ends with uh uh, the main character is like a young uh, black girl from america and she working in london and she is sort of like taken under the wing of these females who are, what you know in the name of social justice are staging a coup for their own power within the company yeah and so the show is ex- exposing that and showing how yeah oh well even the things that are protesting it are doing the same thing but then it does the same thing within the structure of the show in terms of like the narrative drive and like the the way it gets you to kind of hedge your desire behind these characters making loads of deals and loads of money so and that I think comes back to the point of like where where we it's hard to know where the lines are drawn between like what the enemy is you know or you know yeah yeah, so how the artist is supposed to position themselves
1: it's yeah I mean it's very which is why you sometimes get the kind of arguments from people who were around earlier um, about about You know, well, it's not the same anymore. You know, there's no protest music, and well, there is. There is. You know, there's a lot of protest music. It just, it's caught up in in a in in a different way because we've also come. I mean, that uh, we've come 20 years from that documentary, but but 40 years from that moment. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, you know, it's 35.
0: As you say, like things speed up. You know, the changes speed up. Things, you know everything changes but everything remains the same you know in some ways but it's just everything's more and i think this is why i'm interested in benjamin's work like everything is more obscurantist you know we're freer but less free as you say we're the free aren't we lucky to be freelancers when if you actually look at the realities of the earnings on patreon or things like only fans and all these sort of freelance apps it's you know it's more unequal than you know Ancien régime, France. I <laughs>
1: know, so. oh, no, it's true. I mean, yeah, th- there's the illusion that we're free.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: but but not really. And um, yeah. and and of course, I, I in some ways that then you sort of raise the question of well, how to what degree and where does like fundamental alteration of this come or how does it come mm-hmm. you, know, you know what I mean and where do you even start to work with that do you start yeah. small and local do you smart mm-hmm. you know I think in some ways you can only start in the world that you inhabit and yeah. I, I mean I think the interesting thing about um punk was that it, in a sense it was very local it kind yeah. of had to be yeah. it had to it had it didn't have the outlets really yeah. um Uh, uh, without the the sensation but um, and it didn't necessarily have the aspiration of being mainstream you know it got mainstreamed because people suddenly because of course you know it also exposes the myth that people in charge know what's going on absolutely yeah because yeah. you know nobody th- everybody thought that everybody was quite happy with the way music was going and what they didn't realize was that 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 music of a generation wasn't actually speaking to a, a, the next generation mm-hmm. you, you know what i mean yeah
0: yeah and
1: and um and along it comes and and, and i don't I, and i don't know um if if it can happen again well it can't happen again in the same way because yeah. I, I, the world is not the same so exactly. you just want you just won't get it doesn't bunker anything we want absolutely won't get i the think same. this is the
0: thing when you were just saying earlier about like you know you can't predict the future like we i who obviously we can have clues about like you know what what the structures are at play yeah. but we don't know you know, and obviously you have these like people whose careers it is to predict who the next big thing is gonna be yeah. or what's gonna speak to what, but like how, yeah, how do you, how do we even know? Barry, I am gonna have to end our conversation because yeah, I have so to give I... another presentation at 7.30 <laughs> and I completely forgot what time it was. I was so engrossed. <laughs> you know, we also, this always happens when I have a guest, we like start chatting for like half an hour I... before, then miss the juice and then it's like record and then it's like, oh shit, we've already been going for ages. <laughs> I also have no hand right. on time because I yeah, was well, going by European time and it's UK time. and
1: Yeah, yeah, days? yeah. Anyway, That's right. I think we probably said enough.
0: <laughs> we said we, Everybody's had enough of us, so there you go. Yeah, totally. But, um, thanks for coming on. It was really great to, oh, to you're talk. Oh, you so welcome. And um, maybe we should do it again sometime. On Let's a, on do it again sometime. I'd, like, I'd love to um, hear your thoughts on various contemporary musicians that I like and where you think they they come from or they're coming from all but, right um, let's do that then awesome okay uh stacy right. barry thanks all so right. much Bye-bye. okay bye, bye 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 bye